I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You are listening to More Than a Song, episode 452. and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I hope your Christmas celebration this year was full of joy and hope. And if nothing else, I hope you celebrated the coming of the Messiah to a broken world, and I pray that you've received him as your Savior as we continue to await his second coming. Now, we don't have small children in our household anymore, but part of the joy and excitement of Christmas is in the waiting. Knowing that gifts and favorite food are on the other side of Christmas morning leads to great anticipation, especially when they were little. But what if you didn't know what day it was going to be? You know, we we have the joy of saying that the celebration will be on December 25th. And in our house, my kids know that when they lay their head on their pillow on December 24th, decked out in matching family pajamas, of course, that they will wake up to treat-filled stockings, presents, and breakfast casserole on Christmas morning. But the people in Jesus's day, they didn't have that knowledge. They knew the Messiah was promised, but they did not know when. And much like our current waiting for his second coming, you know, we don't know when that day will be. But our song this week is by Jordan St. Cyr and is entitled The Wait Is Over. And as we round out this Christmas season, we can sing along with the historical figures that we're going to study today. The king has come. The wait is over. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Before we dive into scripture, let's listen. We sing glory, glory. chose this song because of the message found even in the title, The Wait Is Over. Uh, we can celebrate with all of creation because the promised Messiah, the one the entire Old Testament points to, has come as a baby to a manger in Bethlehem. And not only that, but he grew in favor with God and man. He fulfilled his responsibilities in public ministry. And then he gave his life for you and me, rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father where he currently intercedes for us until the wait is over for his second coming and eternal reign over sin and death. Now, one of the ideas I meditated on this week was what was that waiting like for the people of God? Uh, And then I moved from studying historical context to scriptural context as I considered 
Simeon, uh, as detailed in Luke chapter 2. So let's begin by taking the bite of considering the historical context. Now, BITE is an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. These are the habits that I use in my daily Bible interaction to keep my time in God's Word varied and effective. And I've said this before, but I didn't create them. I curated them. You know, I visit with people passionate about God's Word all the time, and I just ask them what they do. And if they do something that I have never tried before, I add it to my list of ways to interact with God's Word. As simple as that. In fact, next week, I'm going to kick off the new year by sharing some of my top bites, the ones that you uh, write to me about, my listeners, and uh, the ones that change the way you interact with God's word. You've told me these are the ones that really stand out to you. And we're going to lay out a game plan of interacting with God's word in the new year. And I can't wait for that. But for this week, uh, I started with taking the bite of historical context. I considered that there was a 400-year period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I love how uh, the guys over at Bible Reset Podcast talk about it. They say the First Testament and the Second Testament. So another way to think about it is the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Uh, GotQuestions.org puts it this way. The New Covenant or New Testament is the promise that God makes with humanity that he will forgive sin and restore relationship with those whose hearts are turned toward him. Jesus Christ is the mediator of the new covenant and his death on the cross is the basis of the promise. So good. But here's the thing. There were 400 years of silence between testaments, meaning there were no canonized books written during this time. So no books that are considered the infallible word of God. But my question is, was God silent? No, all, all of his words recorded in Old Testament were speaking, but were his people listening? It seems not. Uh, in another gotquestions.org article, and by the way, I will link to all of these articles in the show notes. You can find them at michellenizat.com forward slash four. Five, two, or in your inbox if you've subscribed to my email list. So, But in an article on the silent period, it points this out. Between the time of Malachi and the coming of the Messiah, several prophecies were fulfilled, including the 2300 days of desecration between 171 and 165 BC. This was prophesied about in Daniel chapter 8. But the people did not put to good use either the fulfilled prophecies nor the 400 years the nation was given to study scripture, to seek God, and to prepare for the coming Messiah. In fact, those years blinded and deafened the nation to the point where most of the Jews could not even consider the concept of a humble Messiah. And so, of course, they were, you may have heard that they were looking for a military Messiah. They were looking for someone who would come and uh, free them from the rule, uh, Roman rule in the time of Jesus. That's why so many people just didn't get it, that, that he was the Messiah. Um, of course, as we'll read shortly, Simeon was an exception to this idea Um, As a nation of God's people, they did not put this time to use to dig deep and prepare their hearts for God's arrival, but Simeon did. So, but why would God go silent for such a long period of time? You you know, remember what scripture reminds us of God. In Psalm 90 verse 4 is one place. um, For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. (laughs) So, when I think of 400 years, I think of the history in my home country, in the United States. So as a nation, we're almost 250 years old. 
and I've toured some historic places. I've walked among the Civil War trenches that remain. It's crazy to me that they're still there. You can kind of see the dips in the ground. It just seems so old until I went to China and walked around Ming Dynasty burial sites over 600 years old. You know, a fresh perspective for someone from a young republic compared to an ancient dynasty. But what we consider a delay on God's part is perfect timing in his eyes. That'll preach, won't it? You know, uh, how fickle am I in my current walk with God? I, I accuse him of not caring and giving up and ignoring when he's really just preparing. And as pointed out in the Thompson Bible handbook, they say, Galatians 4, 4 states that when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. God did not send the Messiah until the world was fully ready. Not even the minutest detail was neglected. The 400 year period between the Testaments is sometimes referred to as the silent period, as I already told you that, again, because no canonized book was written during this time. However, this was a time of great importance for Christianity. The Bible handbook goes on to say it was during this time that propitious events converged for the coming of the Messiah and for the foundation of the Christian church. There never was a period in time before or after the messianic event when the political, social, and religious conditions were so favorable. This was a time when three nations were used of God to lay the foundation of the Christian er- for the Christian era. Persia, Greece, and Rome all had a part in setting the messianic stage. So I'm going to link to the resources that I explored this week. You can dive deep on this idea or this topic of the intertestamental period. I'm going to give you resources both from short articles to Bible dictionaries, just in case you want to explore it on your own. I actually have access to so many more resources now that I use um, Logos Bible software to study. I do have an affiliate link that will offer you a discount to this software if you're interested. Also, that will be found in the show notes. But just as a recap, according to the Lexham Bible Dictionary, there are some major issues in the intertestamental period considered especially relevant to New Testament studies. So just as a recap, the, in the Persian area era, excuse me, the Jewish people returned to their land and construction on the second temple was completed in this period. In the Ptolemy area, the Old Testament was translated into Greek. You might have heard the phrase or the, the, the Septuagint, the name of the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And then during that period, the position of high priest was bestowed by a foreign government to the highest bidder. And then in the Seleucid area, saw the revolt of the Maccabees. Most significantly, the high priesthood became political within the nation of Israel, and it was a political appointment. And then in the Hasmonean era, serious conflict between the Pharisees and the Sadducees developed. And the Hasmonean rulers used these conflicts for political intrigue. And then synagogue worship in this period grew in importance, coupled with a lack of integrity in the office of the high priest. I mean, these are all very important things to understand in the historical context. So you can see um, that all of these things were happening in the time of Christ. It says the conflict that raged throughout this period influenced a military concept of the Messiah. As I mentioned before, that's what they were expecting. And in the Roman era, Rome appointed Jewish leadership. This was not new, but the extent was pervasive. Roman rule ended with the war that culminated in the destruction of the temple. And that happened after the time of Christ. But you see all of these things 
Um, all of these things happened in history, and uh, uh, like they said, you know, in this context is which in which Emmanuel, God with us, was born. Favorable conditions that would bring all the prophecies to fulfillment, not necessarily favorable for those living in those conditions. But again, all of these things kind of came in when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. So when you consider all of this, as you read Luke chapter two, I hope that it will change your perspective. So let's go ahead and jump into Luke chapter two one more time. I know we've been doing it uh, several times over the last few weeks, but if you start in verse 22, it says, when the time came, uh, let me jump down to 25. So basically, uh, uh, Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to the temple to be dedicated uh, and to offer a sacrifice. And it says there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the, according to the custom of the law, He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him, uh, meaning Joseph and Mary. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So in light of the historical context that I just kind of briefly went over with you and that I spent some time thinking about this week, Simeon becomes an even more interesting fellow to consider because like Simeon, we are in a waiting season. We are awaiting the second coming of Christ. And so we can learn a lot from him. Uh, So let's start by taking the bite of making a list. So what characteristics stand out to you as you consider the details that God included in his holy word about Simeon? And here's what I put on my list at first blush. And you might see even deeper details as you um, interact with God's word on your own. But I put that he was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, that he had a promise from the Holy Spirit that he would see the Messiah before he died, that he came in the spirit to the temple that day. That he spoke a blessing to God with baby Jesus in his arms. And I don't know why I always picture like a Lion King type scene here. You know, he was probably just cradling him like a normal person. But for some reason, when I read it, that's the scene that picture, you know, that he's holding him up to the Lord. Uh, And he also spoke a revelatory prophecy to Mary. So let's let's kind of start at the beginning of the list um, with righteous. According to the Greek lexicon, for something or someone to be dekaios, which is righteous, or that's the word, the Greek word for righteous here, is to be in accordance with God's law. So remember what I said earlier about the silent period. How silent could it be when God's word was established and still held a message for the people? So to be called righteous here, Simeon would have lived according to God's law as revealed in Scripture. Thus, he would have known what God's law said and then obeyed it. You see how that works? 
Okay, but he was also described as devout. And if I take the bite of defining this word, this word devout, I see that it means exhibiting careful religious practice and proper veneration toward God. Okay, but I would also like to look at synonyms. So sometimes when I define a word, I just look it up, right? Or And then I also really like to look at synonyms. I feel like it, it brings it out a little bit. And so when I look at the synonyms to get an idea of what that word means, uh, I saw words like devoted, faithful, unwavering, and wholehearted. So you see, Simeon wasn't just religious. He wasn't just pious and upright. And I don't know, but words like that evoke someone who was stuffy and unrelatable for some reason to me. But when I consider the other synonyms like unwavering and wholehearted, then I begin to see someone that I want to emulate. You see, this was who he was. This was not just something he observed. He wasn't just a keeper of the law. He was devoted to God. He was devout, but he was devoted to God. And he was waiting. And on this day, the wait was over. So Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And in all of my cross-reference research on this phrase, which that's another bite, by the way, is to follow the cross-reference. I discovered that it's linked to every instance of comfort in the Bible. And that makes sense, of course, right? Because consolation means comfort. But I also discovered it as a title of Christ, which was really exciting. So you see, Jesus is not just providing comfort. He's not just providing consolation. He is the capital C consolation of Israel. And I, to be honest, I want to do a lot more pondering on this point because as you think about it, you really see comfort as a theme throughout scripture. And for example, you know, Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. This was a prophecy from Isaiah that Jesus said that he fulfilled. Uh, Paul exalts God in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Uh, Isaiah, one of the key cross-references to this consolation of Israel came from Isaiah 40, verse 1. And it says that God is speaking comfort over his people. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Isaiah 40, verse 1. But this verse is in context. If you read the rest of of chapter 40, um, it's a precursor to the verses about John the Baptist preparing the way for the Messiah. Uh, According to Herbert Lockyer in All the Divine Names and Titles in the Bible, um, a Jewish formula of blessing was, may I see the consolation of Israel. So this is something that they would say to one another. And then Jesus promised the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. We see that and he revealed that another name for him is the comforter. And of course, the work of a comforter is consolation. I Acts 9, 31 says this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So speaking of the Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. And that's a big deal. I think uh, we take for granted that as followers of Christ, what that we've been given the Holy Spirit. But this was not the case for all God-fearers in the days before Christ's incarnation and death, resurrection, and ascension. Um, but there's three things about the Spirit here just in these few short verses. The Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. 
The Holy Spirit revealed that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. And then he was functioning in the whole in the spirit. At least that day, it says that Simeon came in the spirit into the temple. This is not a small thing. You know, I was reading the study notes in my ESV study Bible. Uh, That's another bite, by the way, uh, consulting an outside resource. After I read the text for myself and I make lists and I ask, ask questions, then I consult a trusted outside resource like a study Bible or a commentary for additional insight or confirmation that I'm on the right track in my thinking. But in my study Bible, it pointed to the coming and indwelling of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus and his followers as a key theme of the book of Luke. And then, bam, it pointed out something that I, I'd seen, but I just hadn't put together before. But the Holy Spirit is present in the Gospel of Luke from the birth of John the Baptist and, and Jesus all the way to the end. So the Spirit is present here at Jesus' dedication at the temple, his baptism, temptation, early ministry, and first sermon. Of course, yes, yes, he was. You know, I, I just... It just I hadn't really focused in on this presence of the Holy Spirit here at the dedication and recognizing that he was there all the way through all these key um, uh, points of life and ministry of Christ. But and then, of course, I'm running out of time and we didn't even get to unpacking Simeon's blessing to God or his prophecy to Mary. But there's more for you to sit and ponder in this section of scripture. But all I know is that I'm a follower of Christ in a season of waiting. I am waiting for him to return, and I have a pattern here that I want to emulate. I want to live a life of righteous devotion and expectancy filled with the Holy Spirit being directed by him. And God is not silent. So let me do the thing the people of God failed to do on on the whole between the first and second testaments. Let, Let me, let us be given to study scripture, to seek God, and to prepare for the coming Messiah again. And then the wait will be over again, and we'll sing glory, glory, glory in the highest. Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. He shall reign forevermore. The King has come. The wait is over. And may I add from Revelation, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So what's next? Well, consider the historical context of the wait to begin to comprehend the significance of the wait being over at the coming Messiah and read and meditate on Luke chapter two, uh, verses 25 through 35 and make a list of the characteristics of Simeon and weigh his life of devotion against your own. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneezat or on Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. Check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And then I would be honored if you followed the podcast wherever you listen so that you never miss an episode. But if you sign up um, on my website at michellenizak.com, then I'm able to email you once a week with the show notes and links, live links to all of the scriptures that I use, and then additional links to resources that I use in my personal study that maybe I didn't specifically quote quote or mention. Now, my featured free resource this week for new subscribers is my 30-day music challenge, which is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. And I walk you through it with one-minute videos every day. It's free, so you just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 30-day challenge to take the challenge. Change your music and change your life. Now, with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers like Maylee from Australia, Gourmet from Tennessee, and Melanie from Ohio. 
welcome. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellenizette.com. Through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, you can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, do that today by heading over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song, or you can just leave a review right there in iTunes. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be featuring a special New Year's edition of my top Bible interaction tool exercises to get your year of interacting with God's Word started off right. But if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 452. And then while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.